Well, happy Memorial Day weekend. I'm excited to be with you again. Whenever you're watching this, and maybe you're watching it with uh, your backyard gathering group, I want to say thank you for tuning in. Thank you for staying with us through this whole COVID-19 um, quarantine <laughs> pandemic that's going on. I'm excited to see everybody again as we finalize those plans, as Lynn said. Well, you might notice that today I'm not in my dining room, that today I'm actually in a barn next to a tractor, and it goes right along with what the Apostle Paul is going to talk to us today about in Galatians. And one of the things that farmers do this time of year is they take their tractors and they go out into the fields and they, and they plow up the ground, they, they dig up the dirt, and they begin to plant seed so that several months from now they can harvest that crop that they, they rip up that dirt, that the dirt over time gets settled and it gets hardened. And as we go through the fall and the corn cobs or the soybean leftovers rest on the ground and the snow comes and the snow settles on the dirt and begins to pack it in. And as springtime comes, the dirt has just kind of settled into its thing. And maybe there's a little bit of mud Maybe there's just dirt, but whatever it is, it's settled in. And so the farmer has to get on his tractor, and he has to go through the field. He has to plow the field. He has to break up the ground, as it were, because the dirt has settled. Well, today we're going to talk about breaking up that ground so that we can grow. We're going to talk about four things that are needed to grow as we continue going through the book of Galatians. And in Galatians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul tells the church at Galatia a little bit about his background. Let's read that together. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. The word traditions here means something that's been handed down, something that's just kind of been done the same way year after year after year after year. In fact, it paints the picture for us that we just do it without thinking about it. It's just so natural that we're just ingrained in a way of thought. And Paul said, I had become so zealous and so excited about the tradition of my fathers. I become so excited about what God is, what God has done that I lost focus of maybe what he is doing. And so Paul says, I was there, and we know on his road to Damascus and his experience in the book of Acts that God ripped that soil up in Paul's life and said, no more. And he went through and he plowed that soil with Saul, who is now Paul, writing this letter to the Galatians in Galatia. You see, a lot of times in our lives, we tend to just get comfortable with things. And every once in a while, God has to send his tractor with his plow, and he has to rip through some things to take us to a place where we can grow. Just like the farmer has to take the tractor and plow through the dirt that's settled down. Sometimes you just have to rip it up. Sometimes you have to get into your life and just rip things up. And it's not fun, and it's not comfortable. It's difficult. Just look at the person with you right now and say, rip it up. Go ahead. I know you didn't do it the first time. <laughs> say, rip it up. Rip it up. 
Whatever it is that you've got to rip up, rip it up. Rip off the skepticism. Rip, to, rip off the idea that you have to burn the candle at both ends. Rip up the idea that you have to live paycheck to paycheck. Rip up the idea that I just have to be sarcastic all the time. And just rip up whatever it is that, that is holding you back, that has become a way of life, that has become a norm for you. Rip it up. You know, there's a story of, of a family that every year for Easter, they cooked a ham. And every year at Easter, when they cooked the ham, they cut the ends of the ham off. Well, finally, one of the great-grandchildren began to ask around and began to ask the family and said, well, why, Mom, why do we rip the ends of the ham off every year at Easter? Why do we cut that off before we put it in the oven? Mom says, I don't know. Let me ask, let me ask my mom. And so she asked her mom. And she says, well, Mom, why do we rip, cut the ends off of the ham when we put it in the oven to cook it? Well, she says, I don't know. Let me go ask my mom. And so she goes and she asks her mom. She says, Mom, why did you always cut the ends of the ham off to put it in the oven? And so the great-grandmother says, well, when I was growing up, my mom always did that. But why? Why do, we, why do we do it? She says, well, because my mom just never had a pan big enough to fit the whole ham in, so she had to cut the ends off. And so for all these years, they lost out because they thought you had to cut the ends of the ham off to cook it. No, it's because, honestly, Great-great-grandma just didn't have a pan big enough to fit the ham in. And so sometimes we have to go back and we have to dig things up and we have to research things and understand things. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 17, Paul goes on and he says, talking about when he found Jesus, or rather Jesus found him, he says, I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. He says, when I first had my conversion experience, when the soil was first ripped up, he goes, I didn't immediately go to Jerusalem where Peter and James and John and the disciples were. He said, I first went to Arabia. I first got away, which is the first part of growth, of spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. The first part, if you're taking notes this morning, the first part is the desert, Arabia. Paul says, I went, once I encountered Jesus, I went and got away. I got away by myself. He got isolated. You know, when a farmer takes that seed and he plants it into the ground, the seed is isolated because the seed gets put in the ground and covered over. And there it is by itself. Understand that isolation, the desert experience, is the first step in spiritual growth. You're going to feel alone, and that's okay. You're going to feel like nobody's around. That's okay. You're going to feel like nobody's even listening to you. You might even wonder, where is God in all of this? That's okay. In fact, Dr. Robert Clinton wrote an excellent book on the development and growth process of a leader. The book's called The Making of a Leader. And I want to list for you what he calls forms of isolation to grow. He says people tend to grow spiritually in these moments. In sickness, prison, when they have a personality conflict, 
there's some organizational pressure, self-choice, spiritual renewal, education, training, and transition. So if you choose to take on some training or take on some education or you choose to isolate yourself, he said people tend to spiritually grow in these moments. It's in these desert moments when I'm sick and nobody can come to see me that I really begin to question who I am and what I'm doing and my faith and my reliance on God. You see, you, you, might, you might fight getting more income. You might be fighting with your kids at home to get the homework done. Maybe your family is just fighting because you've been trapped in the house for so long that you're fighting each other, and you don't even know why you're fighting each other except you've seen them too much. That's the priest house. I don't know if that's your house. But let me tell you something. You've never had to fight until you have to fight with yourself. Oh, I can fight with my neighbor about the height of our grass, and I, and I can fight with my fellow employees about who's going to do the job, but you've never really had to fight until you've had to fight yourself, until you've had an internal struggle that you've had to fight. You see, we want to grow, but we don't want to be isolated and face ourselves. And I thank God for the quarantine. I thank God for the opportunity to be isolated, to be alone, to face myself, to, to say, okay, Tyson, where are you at? Where are you going? Where's your weaknesses? Where's your strengths? How do I play to my strengths and how I'll offset my weaknesses? You have to find yourself in that isolation moment. Do you realize that most dreams never happen, not because of failure, but because of doubt. That we get isolated and we begin to dream, but then we begin to doubt ourselves. And so we never step out and we never chase our dream. We never go after what we feel God's laid on our heart because why? Because we doubt ourselves. Because we've never been isolated to really have to think through things. We just stay busy all the time. So I don't have to think through anything. But I'm here to tell you that if you want to grow spiritually, you're going to have to face that desert moment to be isolated. And when you realize that the, your doubt is really the only thing that's stopping you from accomplishing your dreams and the destiny that God's put on your heart, you'll understand this, that if you can't stop you, nobody can stop you. And so that's the point of the desert and the isolation is to Come face-to-face with ourselves to say, okay, who am I? Where am I going? What's going on here? And so that's the first step of growth. The seed is by itself. A farmer has planted a seed. It's by itself. And step number two, when you begin to come out of that isolation, (laughs) you begin to grow. In Galatians chapter 1, Galatians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, Paul goes on to say this. He said that he was in Arabia. He says, then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, that's Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. Now, think about this. Paul said, after three years in Arabia, after three years of being isolated and, and, and searching scripture and studying myself and understanding what God's doing in my own life. Three years. We think 80 days of quarantine is tough. Paul says, after three years, I decided to go to Jerusalem. 
And I wanted to get acquainted with, the Bible says Cephas, that's Peter. I wanted to get acquainted with Peter and James, the Lord's brother. The word acquainted with actually means I wanted to get to know. I just wanted to hang out. Paul wasn't going to say, I need you to confirm my calling, because his calling had already been confirmed. He knew in his heart of hearts what he was called to do because he spent time alone with God. He didn't need their confirmation. He wanted their relationship. And the confirmation will come in the relationship if you just seek the relationship. But if all we're seeking is the confirmation, then we'll have to constantly work and work and work and work for the confirmation. So Paul says, I'm just going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to hang out with Peter and James, the brother of Jesus. I'm going to get to know them, and I want to, I want to understand who they are and what they're about. And, and I'm going to, to go up there and, and just hang out and develop that relationship. He was, he was willing to learn at their feet. Yes, he, he knew the scriptures inside and out. He knew who Jesus was. He had an experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus. But he writes to the church at Galatia, he goes, guys, I didn't just take my revelation from Jesus. My, I didn't just take my salvation moment and then go right out. He goes, I went and I studied and I learned and I examined myself. And then I went to develop relationships with the leaders. I went to go develop relationships with the with the people that walked with Jesus. I wanted to get to know them. I wanted to develop that relationship. And here's what I can tell you. That good leaders are first great followers. You've learned to follow before you become a great leader. And so Paul does this. He isolates himself in the desert. And then after the isolation, he begins to grow in his relationships. He begins to grow in connecting with people. He begins to grow in his faith. And so like the seed that this tractor would plant, the seed is isolated. And in its isolation, it begins to sprout. It begins to grow. It begins to develop a relationship with the soil. And then when it is pushed through that relationship, it begins to develop a relationship with sunlight. It begins to develop and grow in those relationships. The third part of spiritual growth is proving yourself. So we've been isolated. We begin to develop the relationships. And it's in the relationships, as King Solomon said, as iron sharpens iron, it's in those relationships that we begin to prove ourselves to one another. We begin to prove ourselves not only to one another, but we begin to prove ourselves to God. You see, the Bible says that how can you say how can you say that you love God but you can't love your brother whom you can see you can't see God but you can see your brother and you say well I don't love my brother but I love God and and the bible says that that's ridiculous right that we prove ourselves in our relationships and how we treat one another and how we love on one another and how we care for each other and so Paul says in Galatians chapter 1 Galatians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. <clears throat> he says, then, after he, met, after he met with Peter and James, he says, then I went to Syria and Cilicia and was personally known to the churches that are in Christ. He goes, after I was with them, and he was only with them for about a couple weeks. He goes, I went out 
And I went to Cilicia, and I went to Syria. Now, these churches, these churches are, they're small churches. They're, they are the rural churches of America. They are the churches that are out in the country. These are not the mega churches. The mega churches were in Ephesus, and the mega churches were in Jerusalem, and the mega churches were, he says, no, you know what I did? I went out to the rural areas. I went out to the rural areas to prove myself, to develop a relationship with those people. He could have preached having that relationship with Peter and James. Now, he could have preached anywhere, but he didn't. He didn't. He went to the small areas, to the small churches, to the small communities. Well, this tells me something that I think we all have heard, but sometimes we tend to forget, and it's this. You've got to prove yourselves in small things before you can be promoted to bigger things. You have to first prove yourself in the small things before you can go to bigger things. And if you can't prove yourself in the small things, then how are you ever going to handle the big things? Right? And so Paul goes out into the small churches in the the small areas to, to to get his grounding and to prove himself and to prove his theology and to work hard. You know, too many people want to take on management. and Too many people want that management spot, but they don't want to clean a toilet. Too many people want the badge of honor, but they're not willing to put in the sweat and the tears to get the badge. People want the degree, but they don't want to go to four years of school. And I'm here to tell you that that's not how life works. I can certainly tell you that the kingdom of God does not work that way. That God trusts you with little things first. And how well you manage and take care and steward those little things depends on what God will give you next. You see, David was tending sheep before he became king. Saul, the king before David, Saul was tending to horses and donkeys before he became king. Before Elisha could become Elijah's protege, and before Elijah would mentor and coach Elisha, Elisha was out plowing fields and planting seeds and harvesting. He was a farmer before he became a prophet. You realize that Jesus spent 30 years, 30 years, he was 30 years old before he ever went into ministry. And yet at the age of 12, we see him in the temple dumbfounding and confusing and then really blowing away the Pharisees and the rabbis and the teachers of the law at the age of 12. But he still waited another 18 years. And so we have to prove ourselves. So if we're going to grow, the corn that gets planted in the ground is first deserted on its own. And it begins to push through, and it begins to develop a relationship with the dirt around it. It begins to develop the relationship with the sunlight as it breaks through. And then what does it do? Well, as it continues to grow, it begins to continue to prove itself, to grow and to, and to push upward. And it proves itself as the, as the stalk begins to grow. <clears throat> and you get the tassel on the top of the corn, right? I mean, you have to, it begins to prove itself. Yes, I'm maturing. Yes, there are ears on the stalk now. It, it, it's proving itself. And then the fourth and final step of spiritual growth doesn't come from anything that we do. It comes from others. 
Paul said in verse 24, and they praised God because of me. They praised God because of me. When I get sweet corn, my in-laws love sweet corn, my parents love sweet corn, maybe it's just a Midwest Indiana thing, and you drive by and you buy, you buy corn off a local farmer, and if you're like my family, you know too many farmers to just go buy corn off of one farmer, so you buy corn off of multiple farmers, and then as you're biting into it, you're like, oh man, so-and-so's farm corn this year is really good. So-and-so's corn is even better. So-and-so's corn is, and what do you do? You start singing the praises of the product of the growth. Praise is recognition of what God has done. Worship is the recognition of who God is. You see, when I give praise, I give praise for what's been done, for what's happened, for, for the work that's been done. That's praise. But worship says, I just worship because of who you are. And so if we're going to grow spiritually, we have to understand, this is what Paul is laying out to the church at Galatia. He's saying, guys, listen, when I first came to Christ, one, I, deserve, I went to the desert. I went to Arabia. I isolated myself and really began to do a heart check and search scripture and begin to study and to grow myself. Just like the seed sits in the dirt by itself. The second step is when you come out of that isolation, you begin to grow. You begin to, to grow in various ways and different ideas and skills and talents and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, to, to follow the Holy Spirit, just like the corn begins to grow and come up out of the ground. And then thirdly, you begin to prove yourself. You begin to prove that, yes, I am growing. Yes, I am producing fruit, right? And, and just like that stalk begins to produce the corn and produce the fruit, and then finally, people begin to sing the praise. Man, you're doing a great job. You're, you're doing good. And you re begin to receive that praise. But what happened first between those, before those four steps? It was this. That God took his holy tractor and he plowed up the tradition of Paul. And he said, the guy, I have to rip that dirt up, Paul. It's going to hurt. You're not going to like it. But I'm going to have to rip that dirt up. I'm going to have to plow and, and till that soil up in your heart and in your life. And I have to make it look different. Because the seed I'm going to plant in your life will grow. And it will produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. It will produce more than you ever thought possible. But I need to first break up your tradition. I need to first change some things up. Maybe you're watching this this morning. You're like, man, I need change in my life. Maybe you're watching this this morning and you feel stuck and you don't know where to go. Can I just invite you to consider allowing the Holy Spirit to come into your life to rip up everything that you think you know, the, the tradition of having to burn the candle at both ends, the tradition that you think you have to be cynical all the time, the tradition of having to doubt all the time. If that's you, and you don't like where life is headed, would you consider allowing the Holy Spirit just to rip that up, to create some isolation in your spirit and in your soul? It'll be uncomfortable, but when you come out of that, you will begin to grow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those that are watching today that feel like maybe the ground in their heart has been hard, the ground in their heart 
needs to be ripped up. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would work in their life. And if anybody, Lord, is, is praying with me right now, and they want to make you the Lord of their life, they want to yield their life over to you, and they want to invite you to come in and rip that ground up and plant the seed of the Holy Spirit in their life so that they can grow into a relationship with you. Lord, I ask that they would just ask for forgiveness of their sins. Lord, I ask that they would reach out to us, God, so that we can walk with them on this journey so that they can be alone with you right now, but then they can begin to develop the relationship as Paul did with Peter and with James. Lord, we thank you for this weekend. We thank you for those that have chosen to give the greatest sacrifice of all, and that's to lay down their life for our freedoms in this great country that we live in. Lord, we ask as we move forward this week that you would be with everybody. We look forward, Lord, to gathering together again real soon. And we ask that your Holy Spirit watch over us, keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have an amazing week.